Our second reading today is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 25, verses 13 through 35. Now on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and taking with each, talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What were you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, when, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at their table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us when he was talking to us on the road and while he was opening the scriptures to us? The same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, for the next few weeks, we are breaking away from the narrative lectionary. We're keeping in the spirit of it, but I 
had an idea of something that I'd never heard preached together as a series, and it seemed to fit, and it seemed with the overarching theme of the narrative lectionary, which is telling the scripture uh, and telling it as the narrative, as the story progresses. And so I thought from now and until Pentecost, which is uh, May 20th, we are going to look at the resurrection appear, the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Pastor Gloria started us on this sermon series last week, although she didn't realize it. I, I kept that part from her. Uh, but it's about Jesus appearing after the resurrection to the disciples. Last week, Pastor Gloria preached about him appearing to the disciples and to Thomas and Thomas's doubts and Thomas's coming to faith. And today we have Jesus appearing to Cleopas and the unnamed disciple on the road to Emmaus. But before we discuss that too much, I want to start by asking you a question. We are two, and, and this is a legitimate question, this is not a rhetorical question. Uh, we're two weeks past Easter, but I want to know what was your favorite part of Easter? The resurrection of Christ? Now everyone else just didn't like Easter. <laughs> the big family gathering. Anyone else? The Easter baskets on the dining room table in the morning. Okay, got to see and hear Hezekiah Walker. What about some of the kids? What, uh, Heather? Her Easter egg hunt with Kai. Okay. Any other kids? Well, what Hannah references is uh, this is the, the first year really she's been old enough to, to enjoy Easter festivities. Like last year she had an Easter basket and she's like, oh, okay. This year she got really excited about it. And we had her friends Kai and, and uh uh, her, his family over for dinner, and because there was more than one kid, we decided to do an Easter egg hunt in the backyard. And so we—I can't remember how we distracted Heather or Hannah. Um, I think Heather, she took a nap. That's right, which was my favorite part of Easter. Um, she, yeah, she, she. Um, I think she got in trouble. We sent her to her room, and she passed out. So. Uh, so while she was out, we went and hid Easter eggs all throughout the backyard. And when the kids got there, we sent them out with, with Kroger sacks. And they ran and got all the eggs and filled them with candy. And, and that was a lot of fun. And it was one of the highlights of my Easter. But one of the downsides of that is the eggs we've been finding since then. <laughs> About a week ago, Hannah was out playing with the next-door neighbor. And through the fence, they were talking. And her next-door neighbor says, Look, there's an egg right there, and Hannah was really excited, and it was only a week past Easter. The egg was sealed. The candy was still good, and then yesterday they found another egg while they were out picking up the backyard, and candy wasn't quite as good, and Hannah was really excited and then wanted the M&Ms, and they were all melted and mushed together, and they don't just melt in your mouth, it turns out. <laughs> so while the kids were, were looking for the eggs, they found most of them, but for some of them, they just weren't looking in the right places. And I think that's what today's scripture is about. It's not looking in the right places and, and looking in places where we expect to see Jesus. Cleopas and the other disciple are traveling on Easter morning back to their home. But as they're traveling along, a stranger starts walking with them. 
And they were discussing the death of Jesus, the, the rumors of his resurrection. And the stranger says, well, what are you talking about? And they stop and they look sad. They said, are you the only person who's not heard of what has been going on with Jesus of Nazareth? How he did wondrous acts and deeds before the disciples, before the public, in front of everyone. How we thought he was the one who would redeem Israel. But then the priests, the temple officials, our leaders turned him over and he was killed on a cross. But more than that, today, a couple of women went to pay tribute at the tomb and it was empty. They said they had a vision of angels appearing to them saying that he is risen. And some of the other disciples ran, but they did not see him. And I I love that line. That, That line is just dripping with irony. Here they are talking to Jesus, having no clue who he is. And they're talking about the disciples not seeing Jesus. They did not see him. They're, they're looking right at him. It's like, yeah, I, I went to the mall and I know Shirley was there, but I didn't see her. And, and having no clue that I'm talking to Shirley. And then they continue on. He says, well, what about all the scriptures? What about what the prophets said about the Messiah? And he begins to open up the entire Old Testament to them and explain them. I went to seminary for three years I studied some scripture in undergraduate. I'm now working on my doctorate. And I still don't understand the entire Old Testament. I still don't know it. And Jesus was able to explain it to them in a single day's journey. And then they got to their village. And they got ready to go in. And the stranger acted like he was going to continue on. And they said, well, wait, wait. Why don't you stay with us? It's nearly night. It could be dangerous, especially if you're traveling by yourself. And the stranger took them up on the offer. He said, well, you can't just stay with us. We have to have dinner. Let's let's cook a nice dinner. And they sat around the table. And the stranger took the bread, blessed it, and broke it. And then they realized it was Jesus. Sometimes I think the Easter story is meant to give us some doubts to challenge us. Sometimes I think it's hard to believe in the bodily resurrection the way the gospel writers explain it. Jesus appears to the disciples in a locked room. It doesn't talk about him having a key or breaking in or or picking the lock. Here Jesus appears as someone who the disciples don't recognize. And then as soon as they do recognize him, poof, he's gone. Time and again, the disciples don't recognize him. Mary thinks he's the gardener when she's at the tomb. And that's always puzzled me about Jesus' post-resurrection. They never seem to recognize who he is at first. Peter and the other disciples are fishing and they see him on the shore, but they don't realize it. And I've wondered why. And sometimes I think that it's that he's out of context. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you've gone somewhere and seen someone you usually see in one context and and just you're at Target. You see someone, you know, from school or from church or from work or you're at a ball game and you see someone that you never see at the ball game. And it just kind of trips your brain. You're like, "I, I know this person. Where do I know them from? Oh, it's it's my dentist. Oh, it's my teacher. 
Oh, it's the secretary at, at the real estate office. It's always fun as a pastor, especially I remember a couple times having uh, running into newer members at Walmart or Target and my mind just trips. And I'm like, I know these people from somewhere. They're like, oh, we've been coming to your church for four weeks. I'm like, I look great, don't I? Uh, I kind of think of it as the, the Clark Kent Superman conundrum. I mean, let's be honest, putting on glasses is a terrible disguise. It's not going to fool anyone. But yet Superman manages to disguise himself as Clark Kent by taking off his tights and, and his underwear on top of his tights and putting on regular clothes and glasses, and everyone's fooled. It's because they aren't used to seeing him in that context. And let's be honest, when Mary went to the tomb that morning, there is no chance she expected to see the risen Christ. When Cleopas and the unnamed disciple were traveling on the road, they did not expect Jesus to come and walk beside them. Even when Peter and the disciples were fishing, they probably didn't expect Jesus to appear on the shoreline. They keep seeing Jesus in places they don't expect him. One question that raises is, where do you expect to see Jesus? And so I was really playing with the idea of Jesus appearing in unexpected places. And so I decided to Google looking for ideas of examples of Jesus in unexpected places. And my favorite thing I got was an article from Time Magazine in 2009. And I was expecting it to be something having to do with ministry or or Jesus appearing in different places. But instead, it was newscasters talking about strange items that Jesus has appeared on. On a grilled cheese sandwich, on a potato chip, on a window pane, on a pancake, on a piece of burnt toast, on a tree trunk, on a Cheeto, on a waffle, on a spoon, on a frying pan, on a cinnamon roll, on a Danish. And then they specified this may be the same as the aforementioned cinnamon roll. This is unclear. On a fish stick, on a cat, on a mouth, in an ultrasound, in parentheses, creepy. In some salsa, on a grape, in a cell phone picture, on a turtle shell, and in a vat in Spumoni ice cream. And then I realized Google can't read my mind because that's not really what I was looking for. So I dug deeper and I heard incredible stories. I I read a first-person account of a pastor who had had just an incredibly exhausting week, two funerals, all sorts of meetings, and then one of their elders came up and said, we signed you to go visit a mission site on Saturday morning. And the pastor was like, at first I was irate, I was exhausted. Saturday is one of my days off. I've had this full week. Saturday mornings, I work on writing my sermon. Saturday afternoon, I watch football. Saturday evening, I spend time with my family. I do not want to go visit this mission site. I know about the mission. I'm the pastor. But they said, well, we signed you up. And so he went and he got on the bus and he tried to put on his best pastor's smile. And there was a man that was standing beside him because there was all the seats were taken. And this man was so tall that he had to be bent over. And he looked up at the man, and the man was just smiling so big. He said, oh, are you going to go visit the, this mission site? He said, I am, because this mission has helped me so much. I used to battle alcoholism. I was addicted to cocaine. I was in prison. I couldn't find a job. And this mission helped me find a home, helped me start building a life, returned my life to me. And the pastor said, and in him, I saw Christ. 
in him, he helped me understand the idea of this mission, this ministry, and why it's so important. There's a story about a woman who's on the side of the road. Her car was broken down. Her newborn was crying in the back seat. Her cell phone was dead. She was in the middle of nowhere, and she didn't know what to do. And a stranger in a tow truck from the next town over happened to pull up, was able to to get her car running and get her going. And she wrote down the tow truck company's name because she wanted to to thank him because he refused to take any payment. And then she looked him up, and there was no such tow truck truck company. And she knew it was Jesus. There's a woman that was going through a uh, uh, antique shop and found an old singer stand-alone sewing machine. And she thought, I would love to have one of those for my home. It would be perfect, but I can't afford it. The next day, she was going out to work to catch the bus. And she walked by a pile of trash set out for the trash collector. And in that pile was a perfect singer standalone sewing machine with a note that said please take perfect condition and she thought it must be God at work and I thought about these stories and I realized they don't apply today's to today's scripture at all they're great heartwarming stories but if we think about today's scripture We have the disciples traveling along on the road to Emmaus, and the stranger starts walking with them. And he tells them the scriptures, and as they get to their home, they invite him in. In all the other stories, it's Jesus who's helping the person that's telling the story. They see Jesus in the person helping them. And that's where we expect to see Jesus. After all, Jesus is our Savior. And what does Savior mean if not helper on a much grander scale? So we think of God coming to our aid. We think of Jesus helping us. But that's not the case in today's scripture. In today's scripture, it's Cleopas and the unnamed disciple who help Jesus. It's Cleopas and the unnamed disciple who open their home to him, who invite him in, who give him a place to sleep and a meal before bed. Christ truly is in unexpected places. Our first reading today from Matthew 25, Jesus separates the sheep from the goats. And to the people who are on his right-hand side, the people who will inherit the kingdom of God, the people who have pleased God, he says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was tired and you gave me rest. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. And they said, Lord, when did we do these things? He said, what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. When you have helped others, you have helped me. We like to think as Jesus as our helper, as Jesus who will come to our rescue, as Jesus who will help us in our times of trouble, and he is. But we have to remember to look for Jesus in unexpected places. We have to remember that in Jesus, God became human. 
God became vulnerable. God died on a cross. In Jesus, God was in need of help. And so we're to look for the Jesus and others. We're to look for Jesus in places we won't expect it. We're to look for Jesus in those in need, those who are hurting, those who need love, those who we can help. If I asked you where you found Jesus before this sermon, that's probably not the answer you would have come up with. then Jesus often appears in unexpected places. And maybe that's why Cleopas and the unnamed disciple don't recognize him. Maybe that's why Mary thinks he's the gardener. Maybe that's why Peter sees him on the shoreline and doesn't recognize him. I wonder how many times Jesus is before us and we don't recognize him. We need to begin to look for Jesus in unexpected places. Amen.